what is that fear of explicitly? And when I did it myself, I remember doing some like, I think it was just like, just some like, you know, free flow journaling. I was just on a piece of paper. I just wrote down. I was like, what am I actually like scared of here? And one of the things that I wrote down was like, I was really afraid of what my dad would think. Cause again, like it's all started there, right? Like that's how I kind of, that was how I grew my career was kind of through his lens and his filter. And so I remember thinking like, he's going to think this is um, intangible, fluffy. He's going to like question what it is or whether it's like, and it almost made me feel a bit like a fraud. It made me feel a bit like a phony. It made me feel a bit like I'm just like choosing the lazy option or something. Because again, like my dad would have worked so hard at something that he, I wouldn't say he like was super passionate about. Welcome to the Confessions of a Working Mom podcast, where we bring you real life working mom stories, tips, tricks, and advice for thriving and surviving in motherhood, because you shouldn't have to experience working motherhood alone. Join our community of support as we discuss all of the things and how we get by in this sometimes crazy and imperfect journey of working motherhood. everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Confessions of a Working Mom podcast. On this week's episode, I'm talking to Olivia Charlotte. So Olivia is actually the CEO and founder of her own company, Olivia Charlotte International, that is dedicated to providing mindset coaching and personal development to ambitious women entrepreneurs around the world. Olivia specializes in helping female business owners uncover their limiting beliefs, their thinking habits, and their underlying patterns that keep them stuck at their current level in business. That is awesome because I know I need that and a lot of other people listening need that. (laughs) She helps them change their mindset and act in new ways to create brand new business results. So I really love this episode with Olivia. We got a lot. We dived deep into mindset and self-confidence and imposter syndrome and all of those things, all topics that I just um, love talking about and love getting to the bottom of so we can help women and help moms find their identity, find their voice and shine. Um, Really love talking about all these things with Olivia. So without further ado, let's talk to Olivia and let's find out how we can learn the simple mindset tools and techniques that will grow our level of confidence and overcome self-doubt so we can finally grow in our careers and businesses. I'm so excited to be sharing this with you. So let's dive in. Hi, Olivia. Welcome to the Confessions of a Working Mom podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. I'm really excited to be here, Kelly. Yes. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your background, and anything else you want to share with our audience of working moms? Yeah, sure. So my background is a little unique in that I grew up moving 
in different parts of the world, like my whole childhood. My dad is originally French and my mom is Belgian. But ironically, since they've been like 30, they've been moving countries. So they're more like international expats, I'd say now. And they've been doing that since 30. So like now they're 65, so 35 years or something crazy. And so we kind of went and moved with them all throughout, obviously. So I was born in Japan and we lived in Germany and South Africa and Austria, just kind of all over. And then I ended up doing my undergrad degree in the US, in Boston, at Boston University. So that's kind of like my family background, which is a little different. And then now I'm based here in Australia with my husband, Nathan, and we're based in Melbourne, which I love. We've been here for two and a half years and it's just been, it's really what they say it is. It's it's a really incredible place to live in and the quality of life is amazing. We do like lots of like bushwalking and hiking and barbecues and nature stuff because the weather is always really good, which is great after being in London where it's a little bit cloudier and a little bit colder (laughs) throughout the year. And then we're actually expecting a baby in a couple of weeks. I have my due date is literally in two weeks time. So it's a pretty big deal. It's like a really big shift for both of us, obviously. We're so ready for it. We're so excited. I'm 32 and I just, it's really like the right time for me personally in my life. Cause I'm actually like, cool. Like now I actually want to think about someone else and <laughs> want to be able to like support. And we're both just like really in the right mind frame, I think for it. So it's about to like really change our lives in a really big way. But yeah, we're pumped. And as you can probably imagine, we're like, when is it going to happen? Like every day, we're like, maybe today. But yeah, so that's what's going on. And that's sort of my background, like in terms of my family background. I can also go into more of my like career background later if you want. Yeah, thank you. So congratulations. It's super exciting. Yeah, I remember that just kind of like that excitement feeling, but then like that bundle of nerves at the same time, like, you know, you're just anticipating that baby coming and then it changes things. And then it's amazing. I mean, there's like no other experience in the world. That's what people say. So I think if I'd been in my twenties, personally, I just wasn't quite ready for that. And I think everyone's different. You know, everyone kind of goes through life in different stages and stuff, but I think now I'm just like ready. And I know it's going to be a real challenge, but it's almost like I'm kind of looking forward to the challenge because our life is pretty routine. My husband and I are really big on like habits and systems and routines and things like that. So I feel like we've kind of figured that out, the two of us. (laughs) So I think like bringing in multiple new elements is just going to like make it all crazy and chaotic. I think life should be about that. Like, I think it should be a little bit like, you know, like unexpected and you can't calculate everything. And it's just, yeah, so should be really good. For sure. Yeah, definitely. The spontaneity is fun sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, can you then tell us how sort of like your journey led you to the work you do today and sort of describe what is that work that you're doing? How are you helping women in their careers or with their businesses? Yeah, so I started like I think a lot of people do, which is I... Well, my dad had worked in the corporate world for his whole career. And my mom for a long time didn't work because she was taking care of us. And later on, she became French teacher, but that was really like later down the track. So the person that I really at the time was like looking at and I guess aspiring to be like was my dad. And I'd always been somebody who was quite like driven and ambitious and he was quite ambitious himself. And so he was in the corporate world. So in my head, because I hadn't really been exposed to, I think, like lots of other jobs or opportunities or other things, I remember deciding, cool, like I want to go into probably like finance. So I did my undergrad in finance at the School of Management in Boston, did that for four years. And I actually really loved it. But I think that's more because I have a value around learning. I used to really love school. Like I love like being able to just like 
have those insights and breakthroughs and ahas and just learning just feels really good to me. So I think that's probably more what it was. And also just finance is actually quite interesting when you get into it. It's actually quite like fascinating. I think it sounds really boring to a lot of people, but actually when you get into it, there's actually some pretty cool stuff to it. But anyway, so I did that for four years thinking, cool, like that's the kind of road I'm going to go down. And at the end, I applied to a whole bunch of different financial organizations and I ended up getting a job at Bloomberg in London. And so I moved from Boston to London because my parents and my family were mostly in Europe. So it just sort of made sense for me at the time to kind of head back towards there. And I started my job at Bloomberg when I was 22. So I was like really young and it was really exciting. And it was a really big deal. Like I was so excited to like, you know, I think at that age, you're just like really pumped to like get started because you've been doing a lot of learning and like you've done maybe high school or undergrad or whatever it might be. And I was like, let's freaking do this. And so I did that for three years. I would say about a year and eight months into it. I'd been really working hard. Like it was just like a full on job. It was very challenging, very fast paced, like quite stressful. It started becoming like a bit of like a love hate relationship where I loved the learning and I loved the kind of fact that you were always being challenged. It was always pushing you. And that's something that works really well for me as a person. But then on the other hand, I was like, this isn't really doing anything for anyone. Like as in, it doesn't really feel like I'm having some sort of like effect on people's lives. And It's funny because when I was 22, like that didn't really seem to matter. But then after like a year and a half into the job, I was sort of like, actually, that like really matters to me. Turns out to this day, that's actually the number one value of mine. Like my number one priority is like that things have meaning and that it feels like I'm actually doing something of value for other people. But at the time, like, yes, I was only sort of realizing this and I was like, okay, this is like not fit. Like it doesn't fit anymore. And then like a lot of people, I kind of went on my like search and because I didn't know what else, like I had never considered like other options. At the time, I had just a lot of friends who were also working in the corporate world. They were like lawyers and worked in banks and just did different things. So it's not like I had a big, I think, diverse range of people around me who were doing all these different things. So I started reaching out to everyone I knew on like LinkedIn, on Facebook, friends of friends, like people who I'd known back at university. And I would just reach out to them and say like, what work do you do? Like, what job do you have? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Why? And people were really wonderful. Like they got back to me and like messaged me back. And, and I started learning about like all these different jobs and finding out that like a lot of people said, I've got a job, but don't really like it, but it pays the bills. <laughs> it's so funny. Cause even then I remember being quite demoralized by hearing that. Cause I was just like, Oh my gosh, like, is this literally life? The way I kind of grew up was kind of the notion of like, you just have to work hard and it's gritty and life is not tough per se, but like, it's not about only just having fun. I kind of like grew up in that mentality. And even with my grandparents who went through the war and stuff. So I think a part of me was like, Oh my God, like, what if this is it? Like that you just have to do a job that you don't actually really enjoy. That doesn't really feel that meaningful to you. (laughs) And like, yeah, you make money, but like, what's that money for? Like just to sit in a bank. Like, I don't know to me, like at the time when I was making a lot of money, like that was like, just didn't seem to make any sense or whatever. So anyway, I finally came across this guy who was a friend of a friend's. And he worked as a coach. And I was like, well, what's that? Like, what's a coach? And then he kind of explained it to me by email. He's such a nice guy. Explained it to me by email. And then he was like, look, like you won't really understand it until you experience it. So I'd recommend that you go to this coaching weekend. There's one happening in London, like in a month's time, just book it in. It's free. It's two days, like Saturday, Sunday. So it's not like you have to take time off work. And it'll be just give you a real insight in terms of like what it is. So I was like game because obviously I was so open to trying new things and like exploring. And I attended that coaching weekend and it was 
it's funny because it wasn't even like the best coaching weekend I've been to since, but it's like, it was amazing at the time because it was so different to anything I'd ever experienced in my entire life. And they were asking questions like, you know, what do you want and what are your interests and what are your values and what are your belief systems and what are your like core secret desires and like, what are your biggest fears and what's been stopping you? And like all these questions that I had just never been asked and I had never asked myself and I never experienced that in school or at university. And so that was just a game changer. And it just like opened my mind to like, oh my God, like this is potentially something I want to do. And it's so exciting and stuff, but I was too scared to do it at the time. So I did that weekend. And then I ended up going and doing, I quit my job at Bloomberg and did a master's in organizational psychology and psychiatry at King's College in London. Because again, this is the thing, right? I think a lot of moms (laughs) will like relate to this. It's like, sometimes you know, but you're still too scared to go too far off like the path. And I think by doing the master's, I felt like I was still kind of going down the more like rigid corporate structure because it was like a master's and people know what that is and whatever, whatever. And so I did the master's. And whilst I was doing the master's, I actually started a different business, which was a dating events website for basically global nomads or like multicultural people. Cause I'd grown up like that. So I just saw like there was a real gap in the market for that sort of thing. So I started that. And then I did that for 11 months. And then I finally got over myself and I finally like, was like, what am I doing? Like, I actually really want to do coaching. And so I did a whole coaching qualification. I did an NLP certification. And then I just started my coaching practice. At first, I was just doing it for free. And then once I started getting like better and better results for people, that's when I started charging and it just sort of grew from there. So yeah, that's sort of like the journey there. And that's how I kind of got to where I am today. Awesome. Yeah, I love how you mentioned how even when we know what we want, we're still too scared to do it. (laughs) I think that is such a common thing that I see. And of course, I've had that in my past as well. Absolutely. What would you tell moms to do? Or what are some things that they could start thinking about? Like if they do have a passion, or if they do have something that they're super like interested in, And, but they have that voice telling them, this is not practical. Like, I can't do this. Like, I can't make a career out of this. What would you tell them just to start, like, to take the first step forward? Yeah, no, I think that's a really good question. If I look back when I was still running that other business and then I was like, I suddenly just made this decision about like coaching, I think what was really helpful for me was understanding what the fear was about. And so if I was talking to a mom right now, I would be like, what are you at? like genuinely? Because I think a lot of times we just sort of stop at like the word fear or like even the feeling of fear, but we never actually, very rarely do people spend like five minutes journaling or digging in to feel like, what is that fear of explicitly? And when I did it myself, I remember doing some like, I think it was just like, just some like, you know, free flow journaling. I was just on a piece of paper. I just wrote down. I was like, what am I actually like scared of here? And one of the things that I wrote down was like, I was really afraid of what my dad would think. Cause again, like it all started there, right? Like that's how I kind of, that was how I grew my career was kind of through his lens and his filter. And so I remember thinking like, he's going to think this is intangible, fluffy. He's going to like question what it is or whether it's like, and it almost made me feel a bit like a fraud. It made me feel a bit like a phony. It made me feel a bit like I'm just like choosing the lazy option or something. Because again, like my dad would have worked so hard. I wouldn't say he like was super passionate about. So I kind of felt like, who am I to like go off and actually do what I love and something that I'm really passionate about. So I wrote that down. And for me, once I'd written down what I was actually afraid of, because I wasn't afraid of what, like, was I with my partner at the time? 
yeah, we like would just met. So that wouldn't have been like a factor at the time. I wasn't afraid of what like my sister thought. I wasn't afraid of what my friends would really think. I was really just afraid of what specifically my dad would like say and feel about me. So then I went deeper, obviously being a coach or whatever, but I was like, okay, what's that all about? And I think there was this idea of like wanting him to still see me as like perfect. Cause I had this whole thing of like wanting to be perfect and want to be seen as perfect. And what that meant, I don't even know. Right. But at the time it obviously meant that like, I just felt like, you know, perfect means not just doing what I guess everyone else has done or doing what my grandparents have done or what my parents have done. And so I didn't want to lose this like self image of perfection, like with his eyes. So when I wrote that, it really helped me in realizing like, okay, it's like, you kind of like hit a fork in the road. And I was like, either I go down this side where I'm basically just deciding to live his life, or I go down this path, which is like, it does mean losing my perfection or like losing potentially a bond that we had, or kind of really choosing my own path. And that might mean that I don't know what that means for him and how he views me and vice versa and so on. But I was like, it's either or. And I think just like get down into the kind of nitty gritty of that, it really did help me make then that choice because then it was an easier choice. It's like, so then it's, well, to me, it was, then it was obvious. It's like, really, you're going to spend the next like, you know, 60 years or 70 years of your life, like living somebody else's life. Like that seemed insane. So that's what I would recommend to moms is I would actually just not just stop at the fear, but actually be like, what is the worst case scenario? What is the actual thing that you're scared about right here? And then once you know that, then it's easier to make a choice that's more aligned, I think. Yeah, for sure. And that leads me into sort of what I was going to ask you next, because your message is focused on increasing confidence and overcoming self-doubt in your clients. And so I know that self-doubt is really a part, like it's the fear first, I think, then it's the self-doubt, right? Like first we're afraid, but then we start doing the thing that we really love, but then we start doubting ourselves that, can I keep doing this? Like, is this sustainable? So can you talk about how moms can sort of, once they're in it, how do they overcome that self-doubt that creeps in when they're trying to achieve their goals? Yeah. So this is huge. Like even women who, cause I've been working, you know, I work with female business owners that range in terms of some are like just starting out and it's just been a few months. And then some have been doing this for like six or seven years. And so it doesn't matter like where you are on your journey in business, you'll still experience self-doubt because every time there's like a new project or a new client or like a new team suddenly or whatever, it just, you'll experience that kind of self-doubt. And I think before I used to think I didn't experience this, I don't know where that came from, but I think I was just like, no, I don't experience any kind of self-doubt, but I think it can be masked in different ways. So for example, if you're super perfectionist and you like don't finish things or you don't do things because you feel like it has to be perfect. So I don't have time right now. That in a way is self-doubt because basically you're telling yourself you're not worthy if it's not perfect. And perfection is a joke anyway, because it doesn't exist because as humans we're flawed and there's no way to be perfect. So Self-doubt is something that literally every single female business owner I've ever worked with experiences at different stages. It depends when, because what you'll probably find, somebody who's listening will probably totally relate to this, is like, you'll have one day where you're like on top of the world and you're just feeling so like just incredible about yourself. You just feel strong. You feel determined. And you're so clear on like why you're doing what you're doing. You're so clear on your business vision. And then you wake up the next day and it's like literally the opposite. And you're like, how is this possible? Like what the hell happened between yesterday and today besides sleeping? So like, for example, you know, you might suddenly feel the next day, like you might have little doubts, like, 
you know, is what I'm doing really worthwhile? Is what I'm doing actually that good or useful? You know, when you start comparing yourself to other people and you see what other people are doing, you're kind of like, why am I even doing this? Like they're so much better than I am, or they have so many more qualifications or their products look so much better than mine. And so you just have these these weird doubts that show up like suddenly that day. And you just feel like, oh, like you said, it can slow you down so much because you can basically stop taking action. And that's what I see a lot with my clients is like when they have those periods, whether it's just an hour or whether it's a couple of days, it's like they take their foot off the gas and suddenly like everything slows down, right? And it's only based on just some thoughts that went through their heads. It's not like anything has tangibly changed. Nothing in the real world shifted. Like I'm sure they haven't actually lost a client or they haven't actually lost like a lead or something. It's really just what happened up here between one day and the next a thought changed or there was a new thought that popped in and they believed in that thought and they opted into that thought. And suddenly they're just like feeling overwhelmed by it and they can't seem to take action anymore because they're like, what's the point? I'm not that good. Like, what's the point? I'm not going to get there or whatever the story is. So in terms of self-doubt, there are so many techniques and practices that I like to work you know, with my clients on, but one of the many ones, and we can talk about multiple throughout, but like one of the ones that I love is on a paper post-it or an index card. Weirdly enough, with an index card or like a post-it works really well. But basically writing down the name to the story that's coming up in your head. So for example, like if the, I'll use myself as an example because I've had so many doubts over the years. So it could just be like, oh, like I'm not smart enough. And that's a big one. And I've seen that with a lot of my clients as well. But like, that was my story for the longest time. So what I would write down on my post-it is I would literally imagine like, give a name or label or or give a title to the story that's going on in your head. So in my case, I'd write down the I'm not smart enough story and literally write down the like as if it's like the title of a book, the I'm not smart enough story. And then what ideally what you want to do is once you've written it on that index card or the post-it, and I would really recommend actually writing it down on something like separate that's like different to what you usually write on. And you can put it on your desk or your office desk or wherever you work, your living room table, if that's where you're working. And every time you notice the thought, like, you know, I'm not smart enough or whatever, be like, oh, there's the I'm not smart enough story. And it sounds like this most simplistic little exercise, but basically what it does is it creates what they call in acceptance commitment training, defusion. So you're basically defusing from the thoughts in your head. And the reason we struggle so hard with self-doubt and the reason it usually tends to make us procrastinate is because we're fusing it with it. It's like, imagine that if there's no separation between you and your thoughts. So the thought, I'm not smart enough, you're so bonded and linked and fused with it that you can't even see anything else. So by us writing down the title of a story, putting it on an index card and seeing it in front of us, we're creating that little bit of distance or space between ourselves and our mind. And that in itself can usually give you enough space to still continue taking an aligned action in your business, as opposed to getting, you know, fused with it, ruminating, spiraling on that. And because then that goes on forever, like you can take hours and then, you know, before you know it, it's like it's 4 p.m. and you haven't done anything all day. (laughs) So, yeah, that's what I would recommend. And there's so many little things like that, but that's a really useful one. Yeah, so much good stuff in that in what you have just talked about. And I tend to call it like the stories we tell ourselves, but it is sort of the same concept. But yeah, I love that just like getting it out, like putting it in front of you and recognizing it, but sort of saying, Nope, I'm not gonna like believe this story today. (laughs) Yeah. And the funny thing is, the more you see it, 
the cool thing with the index card thing is then you'll start noticing that it happens almost all the time, like maybe every day or maybe every other day or something. And it's almost like, then you realize, wow, like this is just like something that just shows it like a kind of broken, like record or whatever, that's just constantly yeah. playing. And I know for me, that's helped me so much. Cause then I'm like, oh, there it is again. And it has like less of a impact. It, it's kind of like dampened. So it's just really helpful. Yeah, definitely. I can see how that would be helpful for, you know, women that are trying to achieve their big goals, but they get all of those self-doubts creeping in. It happens all the time. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great tip. So how can moms sort of boost their confidence when it comes to pursuing their goals and dreams? So sometimes moms you know, and I had a conversation like this the other week with another guest, but as moms, we tend to sort of put our goals and like what we really want to achieve to the back burner because so many other things are coming up with family, with our jobs, with, you know, just with everything. And especially like in the past year in the pandemic. So how can we, you know, sort of tell moms, give them a boost to their confidence so they can start taking action on some of these goals that they've put to the back burner. Hi, mamas. I wanted to tell you about the course I am going to be launching. So this course is the Working Mom Collective Business Launchpad. And this is for you if you're looking for an actionable plan to build your online business, and that's whether you want to build a side hustle, an online business to replace your day job, or maybe you're a mom who's currently not working for any number of reasons. Maybe you left your job in the middle of the pandemic or something else like that, and you really want to build a plan for an online business that is straightforward and will take you from your idea to an actual action plan for moving forward. And so I really would recommend getting on this launch list because I'm going to be sending out some freebies and some special bonuses and a special discount for the people that join the wait list. So again, you can go to the workingmomcollective.com slash purpose to sign up and to find all of the other details about the course. Hope to see you on the inside, mamas. Because it is such like a big question because confidence has such a massive impact on your results and and not just on your results, but on how you feel on a day-to-day basis, which is basically our lives. Like, so what I personally would recommend is based on their particular goal. So whether that's a business goal or whether it's like a personal goal or some other career goal, based on that goal, choosing one small habit that's going to help you lead to that goal. And again, that's going to be really difficult for some moms because I know that like some people just really struggle with like just choosing one because we just feel like, oh, I'm going to do everything. But that's kind of the problem as well. Because as you said, like as soon as you, like if you've got your children there and, you know, in my case, like I know as soon as like when I was in my first trimester of pregnancy and I was so nauseous and so uncomfortable and, you know, 
if I told myself I have to do like these 20 things, I would have probably gotten so down on myself because I probably would have done like none of them or one of them or whatever. And I just wouldn't have felt very good about myself. And that's the thing with life is like, sometimes you're just in a different state of life. Like if you've got two kids under the age of like three, which is like my sister right now, it's a different kind of stage than if your kids are, you know, 13 and 15. So I think sometimes we're so quick to be so hard on ourselves and like lack that self-compassion. And yet we forget that there are genuinely like in a logical, very objective way, there are different stages of life, like are going to require different things from you and where your time is going to change slightly. Right. So I think instead of being really hard on ourselves, we kind of need to be a little bit more aware of those things and be like, cool, this is kind of a different stage or this, the next three years are going to be kind of like this. But so what I would recommend is in terms of creating that confidence boost is choosing one small habit that would help you lead to your particular goal. And BJ Fogg, who's a researcher in Stanford and who wrote the book, Tiny Habits, what he found is that when it comes to these small habits or small actions that we take daily, the reason so many of us fail to stick to them, and I can just see certain moms, I've also worked with so many moms, and I know that they like a lot of stuff just goes out the window when like something goes wrong. Like, let's say, for example, the one of the children are sick, or suddenly like somebody has to be at home because of X, Y, and Z, or there's just one of the kids is having like a mega tantrum day where it's like nothing works like all day long. What tends to happen then is like everything goes out the window rather than keeping even like that one tiny little mini habit. And so what BJ Fogg recommends who's this researcher, he basically says, you need to make the habit as tiny as possible. So let's say your habit is to floss all of your teeth every morning but you keep not doing it. And that day it's like, oh, well, your kid is like, you know, on your leg, just like, like driving you up the wall and you need to like, the other one hasn't taken a bath in like days. And then you have to like take them to school and you haven't even packed lunch yet. I'm not going to floss my teeth. And that happens day after day after day, right? So what he recommends is don't set yourself to fail. Tell yourself, I'm only going to floss one tooth. And that sounds ludicrous because it's like, what, you're just going to one tooth a day? I mean, it's just a bit ridiculous, right? A dentist would be like, that's not the aim. But what he says is that you just floss one tooth a day. And then over time, you can add to that. You can add another tooth or whatever. But for now, just one tooth a day. And anything extra that you do is just extra credit. Now, what that does is your brain, especially because we're very like automated, when it hears a one tooth, I can do that. That takes two seconds, right? It's un- it, James Clear, who wrote the book Atomic Habits, talks about doing habits that are under two minutes, the two minute rule. So basically, you're making the habit so freaking puny that it's so easily done. And so if every single day you're just flossing one tooth, then by the time it's been a couple of weeks or a couple of months, that routine will be so ingrained that you won't even have to think about it. And now it'll be easier to add another tooth because it'll just be something that you do automatically like brushing your teeth. It's the same thing with another business habit. So like, let's say you never journal, but you want to be journaling on your goal or your vision every day because you know it's important. You've heard about it from all these people and you're like, oh, I should really be doing it, but you keep not doing it. Tell yourself, instead of feeling like you have to journal like three paragraphs long, it's just never going to happen. When you keep forgetting and then your kids get in the way, this baby is like not slept for like hours and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Instead, all you have to do is write one sentence a day. That's it. One journaling sentence a day. And maybe it's just your goal and make it tiny. And you'd be shocked at like, if you actually start making your habits tiny and just choosing the starters, what BJ Fogg calls the starter step, that's when everything will just be so much easier. You're more likely to stick to it. And then you can add to it and compound over time. So that's what I would recommend because that's going to really build their confidence because they're going to feel good about themselves that they're sticking to this promise that they've made for themselves each day. 
Definitely. And yeah, I talk a lot about being overwhelmed too in motherhood. So I think that definitely takes a big layer of the overwhelm away because you're not like focusing on such a huge like yes. to-do list every day, but you're just focusing on one little thing that you can sort of build up over time. Like you're absolutely right. Like, cause I'm just thinking about my sister. So she's got, you know, she just had her new baby like a month and a bit ago. And then she also has like a 17 month old. So it's just like this crazy time right now for her. And I know from her experience and we talk quite often and I just know that there's just no way that she could do everything right now or, and also she would just end up feeling horrible about herself because she's like, I haven't, you know, done anything that I said that I would do. And that just feels worse. So I think we need to just give ourselves permission to reduce, like minimize the habit. And then like, yeah, if the things get easier, go for it. But that means on the bad days, like the days where everything is going wrong. And I can just imagine one of your listeners just thinking like, yeah, that's today or whatever. Like everything goes wrong. Like you want to have at least be like, you know what? I wrote my one sentence this morning. Or you know what? I did like my two push-ups this morning. Or if that does weirdly feel better than not having done anything. And I think we do tend to resort to that to either everything or nothing. And I think the nothing days makes you feel so awful about yourself. And we don't want that because that tends to decrease what they call like the confidence bank account. Like imagine there, there's like a bit of an account. And like every time you hold, you keep a promise to yourself, it increases that confidence account. And every time you don't keep that promise to yourself, it's almost like it gets, it reduces and it gets smaller. So we want to make sure that we're kind of putting into the account, even if that means like tiny, tiny, mini habits. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, even if it's just like five minutes a day or less, like two minutes, like you said, it everything counts. And it does, like I have been there where I've gotten to the end of the day and I'm like, I didn't do my workout <laughs> that I wanted to do. I didn't do my meditation. I did not, you know, write in my journal. I didn't do all these things. And then just start feeling like bad about yourself, like you said. But if you just add those couple minutes in, it does make a world of a difference. Yes, agreed. Thank you for that. I think that's really, really great advice for moms. So let's um, transition a little bit to talking about moms in business. So or women in business, because I know that you do a lot of work with women who want to start their own business and who have these big goals and dreams. So can you give the listeners just a couple of like tips if they're looking to start a business or like a side hustle maybe they feel passionately about something and they just want to get started can you give them a couple of tips I think that in itself is like a really big like you were talking about overwhelm earlier and I do think when you're just about to start a business or you've just begun a business I think the number one experience that I've seen with my clients in the past is because if you think about a company like Amazon or Uber or McDonald's or any big company, it's like, that's kind of what you're saying is like, you're basically saying, I want to create something that's going to add value for people. And I'm going to get an exchange for money. And if you've never done something like that before, and I know that I had never before I started my first business, it's, you don't even know where to begin. You know, it just feels like I don't even know where to start. So if I kind of look back in time for me personally, the two key things that I did that I would recommend like anyone starting a business is actually attending like startup events 
nowadays with COVID and everything, things are a little different. So a lot of these will probably be virtual, but there are so many virtual like startup events at the moment as well. Or, you know, but basically if you can go in person, like I'm based in Australia and we're lucky enough that actually the numbers have just been basically zero for, I don't know how long. And we're really lucky if, and if you're listening to this podcast, cause I know people tend to listen to this sometimes even years later, you might be able to now like go to like a startup event. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things I'd recommend because whether you're doing it virtually or whether you're doing it in person, being in those events gave me a chance to listen to other women who had started businesses. And I think it's just really key. It's almost like you're going to school to learn about how to start a business. And I think only with those sorts of little ideas. And like, I remember going to one ages ago, this is when I first started. So six years ago was when I started this business. And then a year before was when I started the other business. So it must've been like seven years ago. I remember going to this event and this girl talked about starting a peanut butter business and her peanut butter business is so successful that it's now in all of the main huge supermarkets all across the UK. And she's just crushing it. It's her brand is called Pip and Nut. Anyway, I met her in person and she's just this lovely like woman and she was super young and she basically said she loved peanut butter. So she would go on these runs on her own and then she'd like go on jogs and runs and things like that. And every time she'd come home, she'd have a, like a slice of toast with like peanut butter. But something that she really liked about peanut butter, she wanted it to be as natural as possible because she, you know, she was a real health person and she wanted it to be clean and not have lots of sugar and lots of other stuff in it. So, and she just found that like, there's some good stuff on the market, but she was like, I feel like there's something missing. So she started like mixing different like she would basically grind peanuts and try it with like sea salt and like different things and different flavors and stuff. And she finally like made a few batches and she was like, I'm going to start trying to sell this. So she went to just like a really basic like local market and she brought a few of these like jars of peanut butter. And I think they were just the most basic jars, like something that you'd find at like, you know, Walmart or whatever. And she would just put peanut butter. She didn't have like a supplier. And she made them at home. She put them in jars, closed the jar. Maybe she had a label. I don't know at that stage if she even had that. And then she would just go sell them at these like farmers markets or whatever. And that's literally how she started her business. And people started buying them. And then she, she, she like went from there. When I went at that event, and this is why I recommend this to women or moms, anyone who wants to start a business or who's just starting a business is I was like, oh, that doesn't even sound like that fancy. Like she literally just started in her kitchen. Like that's so doable, you know? And for me, that made it so much more realistic for me because it was like, oh, okay. Like if she can do that, then I can do that. And actually she just started like by just taking these small steps without like overthinking it. And it doesn't have to be like the Virgin company, like Richard Branson's. It doesn't have to be your Uber. Like, even if that's a vision that you have, because some people have huge visions and they just want to go really big. You don't start from that stage. Like you can start from the vision and like work yourself up and reverse engineer, but like, you're still not going to start from there. Like, unfortunately it's going to start from like the very beginning, which is like getting that one prospect or that one paying client. So that's the first thing I'd recommend to moms is like, if they're thinking about starting a business is like, don't hide in your house or don't hide in your apartment, actually put yourself out there, whether it's like the virtual webinars or virtual trainings or virtual meetups or whatever, where you can listen to how women started their business, like the very, very first few days. Because for me, it gave me the confidence to be like, well, this woman is just like me. She's not her. She's scared. She shared her insecurities. She felt like, you know, she felt a bit silly going to these markets with like peanut butter from like a Walmart jar or whatever it was. It just made it so much more doable and realistic. So that's the first thing I'd recommend. And then the second thing is I think we forget that we have at our fingertips, like these amazing books that have 
every piece of knowledge that we need. I mean, I know that I do this. We stay in our heads and that's just really dangerous because in your head, you could be like, oh, this isn't going to work and I'm worried and blah, blah, blah. Whereas if you grab a book, let's say that I read um, the first few books I read was like The E-Myth is Phenomenal, recommended it to everyone. And then I also read like The Lean Startup and there were a few other books that I started reading. And when you read those books, again, it's like you're getting a step-by-step recipe. Let's say a mom is thinking about like baking a cake. She wouldn't just like start baking with like no ingredients, no recipe, no directions. She would go online or she would go into her recipe book and she would look, okay, how do I bake a cake? Okay. You need these ingredients. You need to have these sorts of mixing, like a mixing bowl. And you need to have this and you need to have that. And only then would she then read like the instructions. Okay. Step one, step two, step three. So I like to see a business like kind of like a recipe, right? Don't try and do it all yourself or think that you should know how to do it. How would you know? You've never done it before. Like you're baking a cake or if I'm baking a business, what would I need? Well, I need like some steps. I need some instructions. So go find a book on Amazon for like $10 or something or $20, depending if you're Australian dollars or US dollars and find a book on Amazon that tells you some of the steps on like, how do I start my jewelry business? How do I start my fashion business? How do I start my Etsy shop? Because then you've got the steps and you can actually start moving forward. So those are the two key things that I did that I really helped me kind of get out of my head and into some sort of action. Yeah, I love those. And in terms of like finding other women and other moms who have already gone through the processes, there's so many like masterminds and Facebook groups and resources, (laughs) like too many to name. I know that I'm a part of a lot of them, but yeah, there's just so much out there now where, you know, like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I'm sure it was a lot harder to try to find that like networking and support to like try to find other people that have been through like similar paths. Yeah. And you know what, Kelly, like actually you saying, like, it reminds me that one of the big issues that moms can have is the paradox of choice where there's so much that you kind of get like deer in the headlights stuck. And you're just like, ah, like, which one do I pick? Like, which book do I buy? You know, which event do I go to? Which Facebook group do I choose? I think something I just want to tell moms, if that's what they've been like, kind of stuck in that overwhelm, just pick one. You know, my husband said that the other day, he was like, he was like, I noticed that sometimes because there's so many great options out there, I think that I might not be choosing the right option or the right action step. And I said to him, well, unfortunately, you will never know which one is the right one because you'd have to be taking the same step at the exact same time to be able to know which one was right originally anyway. So there's no way of ever really knowing. So once you've done your, you know, hour of research or whatever, it's time to make a choice and just select and just move on. For sure. Yeah, I think you just have to kind of trust that whatever you picked was the right one for you. <laughs> you know, you saying that, Kelly, I'm sure some people are like, how do I trust that? Like, how, how can I trust that? I don't know. But I think that's where faith comes in. Like, even if you're not spiritual or whatever, I, I don't even mean faith in that sense. I just mean faith in like, just being like, well, I don't know. And that's okay. And you know what, in life, you can't control everything. And it's kind of like getting pregnant or like, you know, or trying to get pregnant. Unfortunately, that's out of your control. You can't control everything. You have to kind of release and surrender just like, because I know a lot of moms who are listening to this are like, oh yeah, that is exactly how it worked when we were trying to get pregnant. Like I didn't have control over everything and I couldn't, you know, I just had to trust that, you know, we were doing everything we could. We could, we were doing our best and we were doing the things we can do and what we can control. And the rest is out of our hands. Business is the same. It's like, you just choose one action or one strategy or one book. And then the rest is out of your hands. You got to move on. 
For sure. Yeah. I think that trust piece is just so key and it might come from like, I read a ton of personal development books and listen yes. to like a ton of personal development podcasts and like all of that. So it might come from all of those repetitive things that I've learned and that I've instilled in my own journey with, you know, with my career and my business. But yeah, definitely that trust piece is just huge. Huge. So thank you for that. I love that advice. And any moms listening, definitely just have trust in the process. It will work out. (laughs) So another question I had for you. So you talk a little bit about like giving women some simple techniques that they can sort of use in their working day to crush their tasks. So something kind of plays into the overwhelm as well. Because sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, I have like a thousand things to do. I don't know where to start. I'm just so overwhelmed. And then you just like kind of sit in indecision and then maybe don't do anything. What are some tips you can give to moms that they can use that kind of get them out of that and like moving forward in small steps? Yeah, it's so funny because when you said that, I was just thinking about all my clients. (laughs) It's like so many of them because that is just something that like, for example, one of my clients said to me that like, because she works from home, she runs a, a massage business, but like, because she works from home in terms of her marketing and her Facebook and stuff. And then if she has like a, a session, like a, a massage, then she'll have to like go out and go do that. But she was saying that she just starts doing laundry and then like the kitchen's a mess. So then she starts like cleaning the kitchen and she just tells me like, she, I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> And it's funny because my husband, I'm really lucky, like, because I know a lot of women that I know, my friends and stuff are like, oh, like my partner, like, just doesn't really like to do like cleaning or cooking or kitchen stuff. And my husband's like, not like, he's the opposite. He's like, he definitely likes to keep the house clean. And he likes, he's a really great cook and things like that. But anyway, he's also somebody who it's really easy for him to get distracted by everything around him. Like you were saying, like overwhelm and just like, oh my God, I need to do this, like watering the plants. Like for me, in my head, it's like, I only water the plants in the evening. Once my day is done, like 8 p.m., not like, you know, it's 2 p.m. and I'm in the middle of writing a blog and I'm just going to go water the plants. Like, no. And if it's a conscious break, it's a different story. We can talk about that. But what I would say is like, first of all, if that's who you are, if you're listening and thinking, oh my God, like that's so me, I get super distracted or I get really overwhelmed and I'm not very productive and I just sort of don't get the things done. The first thing I want to say is like, please know that you're so not alone. It really can feel like you're the only lazy person or you're the only person who's super unfocused or whatever, but that's just like not true at all. I just, I know so many clients and like I was explaining, my husband's, you know, definitely has a tendency to want to do that as well. But what I think is part of it is a practice. And what I mean by that is like, I'm really big in sports. I played soccer for like my whole life. And like with soccer, for example, you practice a lot. And then you only play the game at the end of the week, but you usually have like three or four practices a week if you're playing at a certain level. And then you play your match at the end of the weekend. And so you're practicing a lot of the drills. It's just a practice. And like, let's say it's passing or let's say it's dribbling or let's say it's shooting or, you know, crossing the ball. It's just practice, 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 practice. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with focus. And I think a lot of people think that focus is not a skill, but in my perspective and everything that I've learned over the last six years, I would say that focus is really a skill and it's something that you practice. So like, for example, driving a car, a lot of people will remember what it felt like when they first got in the car to drive. I know for me, I was like panicked. I was terrified. I'd kill like 20 people on the road, even with a driving instructor on my right who had brakes and everything. But, you know, 
if you remember what it was like driving a car, you probably did feel super like scattered, overwhelmed, scared, not focused, um, not you lacked a lot of confidence, right? But what happened was that over time with practice, you got better and better and better and better. And it's the same thing in my perspective with focus. It's a skill. And it's like, you can't be good at it from the get-go. Like some people maybe have a tendency and there are things like genetics that might play a role, but ultimately most people, you know, you get better as you work on it. So what I would recommend is notice, (laughs) and this probably, this is a hard one if you've never done this before, but start noticing when your mind wants you to take you off task. So like your mind's like, oh, I'm going to go and like, look at what we're going to have for dinner. Well, no, (laughs) you know, again, like that's where you can notice it. And if you want, I find writing is really helpful. So you can just write down that thought. Like I just had the thought, literally say that to yourself or write it down. I just had the thought, I'm going to look at what we're going to have for dinner tonight, write it down and then force yourself not to go do that. Now it's going to be really uncomfortable and you're going to have to sit in the discomfort of not following the urge or the nudge to go and check out what you're going to make for dinner. But if you continue doing that throughout the day and you start noticing, oh, I had, I had to do laundry. Well, no, <laughs> again, that's something that you can do in the evening and your mind is going to come up with excuses and reasons. It's going to say, well, that's not true. I can't do it this evening because then it's not going to dry properly and blah, blah, blah. And it's just going to give you all the stories and reasons and excuses. <laughs> again, I want you to know that it's those like be like, Uh, So what in therapy, actually, they teach you you, that you can start labeling things. So when your mind gives you an excuse or a reason, you can just say reason. Or if your mind starts worrying about your three-year-old who's at like that, like daycare center or whatever, and he's like thinking about that, you can say worry. Just start labeling your thoughts in categories like, oh, excuse, worry, oh, distraction, and by doing that, again, we're creating some space. And that's really the aim of the game, when it's, especially when it comes to thoughts, is creating some space between you and your mind. And like I said, originally, it's a practice. At first, you're going to be terrible at it. I was so bad at it in the beginning. Like I would, yeah, I would find all kinds of distractions, not in my home, but I would find distractions in my business. So I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go do this because it was more fun. I'm going to go do this because it's like more enjoyable. And like everything was more fun than the key thing that I knew would actually drive my business forward, like maybe a sales activity or something. You know, please realize that it's 100% of practice. It's something you get better and better at. But if you can start noticing and labeling, being like, oh, excuse, distraction, focus, and you sit with the discomfort, you sit with the discomfort of not going to take out your laundry right now. You sit with the discomfort of not calling your mom right now. You don't need to call your mom at 11. Like, call her this evening. And the more you do, you become, and this is something I've really learned over those years is like, you become so much more disciplined because you say after 5 PM, I get to do all those things. But right now business time, or this is career time, or this is whatever goal time. And it's going to feel uncomfortable. Cause I think if you've never done this before and you followed every little urge that comes to you, then you experience this resistance. You're like, I have to do the laundry now. And it's like, no, you don't have to do the laundry now, but your mind might tell you that you have to. And again, that would be like an excuse or a reason. So you would just label that. So that's what I would recommend is, and if you struggle really hard with this, then I'd probably recommend having a meditation practice. I meditate daily, but it was really hard for me to begin, but I've been doing it for three years now. And I can tell you that it's like an absolute game changer in terms of being able to notice things. So if if a mom's listening is like really struggling with this, I'd probably say, start with a 
two or three minute meditation first thing in the morning, like get up like, you know, 20 minutes earlier than everyone else meditate for three minutes and just make that a practice because you're going to get better than it being able to create distance. Cause I know some of you will really struggle with this and that's probably because they have like no space between them and their thoughts. Yeah, definitely. And I think in the past year, a lot of us have had those lines blurred even more like with, yes. you know, with working from home all the time. And it's just so easy to get distracted. So I love these tips. And I think a lot of people would benefit from and I love the categorization because I, mm. I'm like a person who loves to make lists and like put things in <laughs> categories and like, <laughs> I love Trello because you can just have everything oh, yeah. so super nice and organized and like labels on it. So I think like categorizing your thoughts, that's a great idea. So is there anything else you want to share with our listeners before I move on to sort of just a, like a little of a lightning round questions? The last thing I guess I would say is, I guess I just wish more women knew that they're probably better than they think they are. I think that we have a tendency and men too, but I guess I've been working with women for six years. So that's obviously my focus, but I guess I just want you to realize like whoever's listening, I just want you to know that there is a very good chance that you are so much better than you think you are. We do really tend to just think that we're not. And a good way to just remind yourself is like, imagine someone who really respects you. Like I'm sure there's one person in your life that you can think of that really respects you or admires you. And just ask yourself, how would they be looking at me? Like if I had their filter or their lens and I was looking through their filter of what you're like, what would they be seeing? And when you do that and you actually look through a different perspective and you kind of shift, you realize like, oh my God, like I am really like whatever it is. Like I am really quite good at X, Y, and Z or whatever it might be like something in your business or something in your career or whatever. Or I am a really good mom because that's, I mean, that's a whole other like topic. But my point being is I, I guess I just really want people to just remember that, to just sort of spend a little time each day thinking about like, what would so-and-so think of me right now? And that person is like the person who really admires you and respects you. How would they be seeing this? And how would they be, you know, viewing you because there's a very good chance that you're just being really hard on yourself mm -hmm. so that's just the last thing I would say is like you know try as hard as you can to do that daily to just remember like to look at it through a slightly different perspective I love that thank you so I have just a couple of more questions for you just to get to know you a little bit better and a couple of them I've written for moms that have young kids so that like we need to remind them like doing things for yourselves and things like that. But since you, you know, you're almost ready to have your first yeah. baby, maybe this could be a moment for you to think about like what you could do. I love it. I love after, it. That's definitely. After they arrive. So what is something that would be like something you do every day, a non-negotiable practice so you can start or end your day on a positive note? 100% exercise. And then what, so the second one is directed more for moms with younger kids and stuff like that, but it's like a working mom hack to get you through a difficult day. So I guess thinking ahead for you, what could you do if you had a difficult day once yeah. your baby's here? <laughs> no, that's a really good question. And to be honest, when I was in that first trimester and it was like pretty horrendous, it really what did we kind of feel like, wow, like this is, <laughs> this is a different, different experience. But what I would say is spending even like three minutes outside because I just feel like especially with kids like you said like 
and I see it a lot with my sister and I can already imagine it and stuff like that on my part. It's like, sometimes you just don't even have any time to yourself. And it's just been a really manic, crazy day, especially if your kids are really small still. Yeah. And I think like for me personally, nature and like just being outside, there's something about the fresh air and there's something about just like having that little bit of space. So I think for me, it would just be like a couple of minutes. Like even if I can just buy two minutes, like I can just ask my partner to just, you know, two minutes to just go outside and maybe close my eyes, take a few deep breaths or like look around. I mean, I'm a big believer in meditation and stuff. And so for me, that helps me really ground myself and center. So that's what I would say. Yeah. I love that. Yes, that's definitely a good one. So who would be your favorite, either like a favorite author, podcaster, blogger, other expert that has really influenced you in your life? Oh my God, there's so many, like literally <laughs> like what you were saying, <laughs> but, but a few of the ones that come straight to mind are Tony Robbins, James Clear. I would say that there's probably a gazillion more. Yeah. I know. Yeah. There are so many now. <laughs> so what are you currently working on within your business that you're most excited about or, you know, share something like an, a program or how the listeners can work with you if they're interested? So I run a, a membership site, which is called the Bold Tribe. And it's a membership program for female business owners. And we've got like lots of moms in there. We've got women who don't have kids as well in there. And I just, I want so badly for women to be able to feel really amazing about themselves. I want women to actually make real tangible progress in their lives and businesses. I want women to be shocked at how much their life can change as a result of making changes and doing the work. I just really do have an obsession around it. And I, it is really, really important to me because I just feel like so many women are living so below what their potential. And it's not because they're not good enough and it's not because they're not worthy of it. It's just because of all of the stuff we've been talking about, whether it's overwhelm, lack of confidence, uh, procrastination, kids, like belief systems, fears, like you name it. And so I guess what I'm really proud of and, and something that I'm like obsessed with is having created a space for female business owners where they can come together and they can be in a space where it feels safe, where it's non-judgmental, where it's super high vibe, where it feels very inspiring and exhilarating and exciting each day. And whereby they can feel like, actually, I'm not alone on this journey. I can freaking do this. And yes, it's going to take time. It's not going to be an overnight thing in my year. It might take me three years, but it's worth it because it's my dream. It's my passion. And what I like to ask is like, if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? Like most people would say, I don't know. I probably wouldn't be doing anything. Exactly. So there's nothing else to do. So you might as well work on your dream and spend time on your dream because time's going to pass anyway. So you might as well do something like of use with it. And obviously in that old tribe, my membership program, I do live video trainings and uh, there's obviously deep dive worksheets. And we have a, a new module each month where you really dig into your vision, your goal, you get really clear on the daily habits you need, the belief systems, the thinking habits, the patterns, like you name it. And it is, you know, it's super fun. It's really motivating. It's very energizing and it does require work, but I think it's worth it. Like the work is worth it because it's fun. And it's, it means like actually making some real, you know, progress, which I think we all want. We all want to feel like we're actually moving forward and we're living our lives like in a really value-based way. And yeah, so that's my favorite thing. And I freaking love it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. And so where can listeners follow you online, your socials, where do you hang out the most often and all of that? 
Yeah. So the two best places I would say are over on my website under oliviacharlet.com because there's actually a free resource on there, which I'm always like, I want to get the free resource for it personally. I'm always like, I want to get the free resource first because you kind of want to like get to know someone or you want to be able to get some more value. So there's a really great resource on there as soon as you jump on the website. And then the second thing is I am started a free Facebook group. I think only about six weeks ago, actually. I had one six years ago and then I closed that down. But anyway, I started a new free Facebook group and that's been really fun. So I'm in there doing like some live video streams. I'm in there asking some questions, you know, getting to know people. So that's also a really great space to kind of come hang out and come spend time with me and then also the other women who are in the group. Yeah, and that free Facebook group is called Overcoming Self-Doubt for Business Owners. But if you can't find it, you can also just send me a message and I can share the link with you. Okay, perfect. And yeah, I can also put all of the links in the show notes too. So people can go right there Amazing. and click on all those and find you and get all of your great resources. So thank you so much, Olivia, for coming on the podcast. I love this conversation. I could talk all day about these types of topics. They truly Me too. are my passion. Um, so thank you so much. And I just really appreciate you taking time to talk to me. Oh, you're so welcome, Kelly. It's been so much fun. And I just love being able to do this. So my pleasure. I would be so, so grateful if you went and left a rating and review of the podcast. So Apple loves it when you rate and review the podcast that you love listening to. And it would just mean the world to me if you went over and left a rating and review for the podcast. So that way our show can be introduced to more working moms that really, really can gain positivity from these episodes that can teach them something. So if you go and leave a rating and review, I would be so grateful and just thank you again for continuing to listen every week. You are the reason why I continue to talk into this microphone for this podcast. Without you, I would wouldn't have the podcast. So thank you so much.